This is the Clovis Hills Community Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Sean Beatty, and I want to welcome those of you that are part of our physical community and the online community. In a moment, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. But before we do that, I want you to consider giving to the ministry of Clovis Hills Community Church. You know, this podcast is now extended to just about every continent on the planet, and people all over the world are hearing God's word taught faithfully. Your giving can help extend that to more and more people. Also, remember us in your year in giving. If you want to give towards Clovis Hills, download the Clovis Hills app and just hit the give button. Enjoy the podcast. And guys, remember, go be the church. Listen, listen uh, the, the last thing in the world you want to do is follow a bunch of cute kids like that, right? This is, this is a challenging assignment, but I think, I think the reason that this assignment was given to me could perhaps be a couple of reasons. One, uh, I, uh, I'm certain of this fact. I have more uh, Grinch Christmas tree ornaments than all the staff combined. I have every one actually that's ever been made. That might be one reason why I got this assignment. And secondly, maybe they thought because because one of my lead roles in life right now is I'm a grandpa. I'm, I'm pompa to six beautiful. In fact, I just happen to have a picture available this morning. Yeah. My, uh, my two on the left there were here at the last service. Uh, uh, Case absolutely wanted nothing to do with singing and all of that. Colty was totally into it and having a good time. Much like I'm telling you, it is... Uh, it is the grace of God that we didn't lose any kids for 30 minutes on this platform. I mean, that is a, that's a feat in and of itself. But, you know, I uh, thought, what, what a fun assignment. And for those of you that are clock managers, okay, you're watching the clock thinking, you know you only have a little time left. I know that, and this is going to be a hard-hitting, fun message that I pray, yes. Yes, oh, no, no, sunglasses. You can't do it without sunglasses. That's all there is to it, especially on a day like today. So, hey, kids, right? I'm going to take just a few minutes, and, I, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping, there might be a, a few Grinches in the, in the crowd, okay? But, I, but I'm hoping that you'll see that this beautiful, uh, classic Christmas children's story actually has a powerful message in it and actually points us back to the gospel, the good news, really brings us to the heart of the Christmas story. And I'm praying perhaps that some of you, maybe for the first time, will see this. And, and here's the thing, uh, I, I went out immediately and bought my new edition of How the Grinch Stole Christmas and certainly intend to read this to my grandkids this Christmas because I want them to know the heart of this story. But you know, to get to the heart of the story, sometimes we have to understand the backstory of the author. And I don't know how many of you know the story of Dr. Zeus. Say Dr. Zeus. How many of you used to pronounce it Dr. Seuss? Okay, it's Dr. Zeus, right? He wanted to be Dr. Zeus because Dr. Zeus rhymes with Mother Goose. Mother Goose, Dr. Zeus, okay? But his name is Theodore Zeus Geisel. He has a story just like every one of us sitting in, a, in uh, the blue chairs. He was born in 1904 in Massachusetts. His father actually was a co-owner uh, of a brewery. Not that that made him famous, but think about the times in the early uh, 1900s. 
and uh, he eventually found his way to Dartmouth College. He was, he was more interested in the artsy, creative side of things that really his mom really encouraged in him. He liked to sketch and draw. He liked to go to the zoo. He saw animals. He liked to, he liked to illustrate, he, which actually uh, was a wiring and a gifting he had from early age. Well, he also had uh, an interest in the drink as well, and he got in some trouble in college uh, because uh, he was dis- it was dis- discovered in his dorm with some moonshine. Thus, he got uh, DQ'd and told he couldn't write for this little uh, funny uh, magazine that the college produced, so he started writing by an alias named Dr. Zeus. It was no longer Theodore Geisel. Now, most of us know that eventually his acclaim is that he wrote 60 children's books. I just want you to think about this for a second. He wrote 60 children's books that have sold, they don't know the exact number. It's somewhere between 500 million and 650 million copies in 30 languages. 30 languages. Successful man, right? Wow, impressive. But when I, uh, once I got underneath, behind the curtain, I discovered in, in many ways he, he was a bit of a troubled man. He had, had some great pain points in his life. And uh, it's interesting, his big breakthrough was when in 1957 he sold the book The Cat in the Hat. How many of you have read The Cat in the Hat, right? Great book. He, read, he wrote The Cat in the Hat and that was a smashing success. And immediately the next idea he had for a book was this idea of how the Grinch stole Christmas. Let me give you uh, a little backstory on uh, this. And I quote from Dr. Zeus himself. He said, I was brushing my teeth on the morning of December 26th, and I noticed a very Grinchish countenance in the mirror. It was Zeus. So I wrote about my sour friend, the Grinch, to see, listen to this, to see if I could rediscover something about Christmas that I obviously had lost. The the, uh, inspiration for how the Grinch stole Christmas was really the author himself. My bride encouraged me not to give you too much of the backstory, only to say that at this particular season of his life, he was going through immense personal turmoil that led to incredible heartbreak, relational heartbreak, that really I'm not sure that he ever completely recovered from. It's interesting. He said that this book, this book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, was probably the easiest book and fastest book that he ever wrote, with the exception of the ending. And I want to get to that. I want to get to that uh, in just a moment. But I want you to, I want to read for you why I think, why I think this is his best classic, because really it's a story about conversion. It's, it's, think about it. It's a story about heart transformation, is it not? Listen to this. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without Amazon, UPS packages, boxes, or bags. I added that in. (laughs) I feel sorry for those delivery guys right now, man. 
There's a number of packages that come to my house every day. I should know them on a first name basis. He puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Now, how many of you have enjoyed annually the 1966 classic version, the animated version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Let me give you, now some of you, how many of you are like are totally into the 2000 Jim Carrey version? Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, tough for you, because I got a clip for you from the classic version that you've got to see that will get to the heart of the story. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. came through and the Grinch found the strength of ten Grinches plus two. Yes! Come on. Don't you love that? I get fired up every time I see that. Look, look at that. That is a story of someone getting a new heart. Now, let me share with you um, Dr. Zeus said it was the easiest book to write except for the ending. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. He said, I got, I got hung up. Listen to this. I got hung up on how to get the Grinch out of the mess. I got into a situation, literally I'm quoting him, where I sounded like a second-rate preacher or a Bible thumper. 
Finally, in desperation, without making any statement whatever, I showed the Grinch and the Who's together at the table, and the Grinch, do you remember the last line of the book? The last line of the book, it's an abrupt, lousy ending. The Grinch carved the roast beast. That's horrible! Right? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't want to ruin the story for you, but I got a feeling. I got a feeling that um, reveals in some ways some of what was going on in the own soul of the writer, the author himself. He just couldn't kind of bring that final ending to closure because there was so much stirring in himself. So the exclamation point for him was to have the Grinch carving the roast beast. And let me tell you something this morning. To me, it points to, I think there could have been a better ending. Just like I think it's possible for us all to have a better ending. I think it's possible for us actually not to just skid in with a kind of left field sort of abrupt landing, but actually to have an exclamation point in our story because we know really the real reason for the season. And I want to ask you this morning, I'm going to invite you in kind of for an adult moment into the story and just say, what's the condition of your heart? We saw what, what happened to the Grinch, right? His heart grew what? Three sizes that day. He got a new heart. And you know, this is the heart of the gospel story. In fact, if you're able, I want you to stand as I just read a short Christmas scripture from Dr. Luke. If you're able, I'd like you to stand. Dr. Luke wrote it this way. This is the good news. This is the good news. The good news this Christmas is that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news. Say that with me, good news. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You may be seated. You may be seated. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You know, I, in the few minutes that I have left, I just want to offer to you today that one of the reasons you're sitting in a blue chair in this service right now, if it's not only to watch your kid or your grandkid, it's really to hear the heart of the gospel. And the heart of the gospel is this. Every human being, you and I have been created in the image of God. We were created for a relationship with him. And the only way that peace is possible with God, this peace that I just read about, this, this peace that the prophet Isaiah wrote in the Old Testament 700 years before Jesus came, he, he described the prince of peace would come, the prince of peace, Jesus. That that peace is only possible 
through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The only way that you can be reconciled to God is to receive the gift of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ himself, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came. The word, the word, Jesus became flesh and tabernacled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. The only way that you can personally experience peace with God is through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. I want you to know wherever you are, whatever circumstances you're in right now, whatever trial, trauma, tragedy, whatever division, challenge that you're facing right now, I just want you to know that the God of the universe loved you so much that he sent his son to come to earth to do what he couldn't do from heaven, and that was to be born a man, to live a perfect life, to willingly go to a cross so that he could take upon himself all the sins, all the iniquities, all the transgressions of all humankind be killed, and be raised to life on the third day so he would be the first of many, many that would take that way, that road, that singular uh, relationship all the way to heaven for all of eternity. And Jesus wants you to know that he loves you, that he wants you to have peace with the Father through him this morning. And it's a simple thing. It really is. I think sometimes we make it so complicated, but it's, you know, some of us are going to be around Christmas trees and exchanging gifts. I'm not sure how you do gift exchange, but I remember growing up, uh, I I was a blended family of seven kids. Let me tell you something. It was disorderly. My mom, my mom, one one year she, she decided to regiment things and make us do it one Christmas present at a time. And we revolted, man. We just ripped them open. We just ripped them open. But here's the thing. Really, gift exchange has to do with somebody took the time and energy, loved you enough to buy you a gift. What do you do? You receive it and you open it. You receive it and you open it. You know, the gospel story is just the same. The gift is Jesus. He has come for you. And what we simply need to do is receive it and open it by opening our hearts to him. The scripture says that he'll take a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. He'll, I mean, in, in Whoville language, I mean, our heart will grow three sizes in one day. That's what God does. God is the one who transforms heart. We don't have to manufacture it. We don't have to make it happen. He says, I'll take your resistant heart and I'll give you a soft heart. I'll take all that hardness and that, that sort of withdrawing from me, and I'll soften it and draw you to me. I'll woo you to myself. And I want to ask you this morning, maybe that's the reason you came. That could be why. That, that, today could be your divine appointment on December 22nd. It could be the very reason that you came into this auditorium this morning, and, I, and here's the thing, here's what I know. When you receive that gift, when Jesus comes into 
our lives. He changes us from the inside out. It's an inside out job. And then guess what? It changes every other relationship we have because he wants to give us peace with others too. Now, I just want to pause for a moment. How is this peace on earth, goodwill toward men going this past week just in our country? I mean, I don't know about you, but I like, it's getting a little scary. I, I just, what I'm seeing, what I'm observing, what I'm witnessing is a little bit terrifying. The, un, the unbelievable hostility and incivility, people just at war with one another. And, and listen, I'm not, I'm not getting on either side of the aisle. I'm not even getting political. I'm just talking about human behavior. I'm just talking about human interaction. It's embarrassing to me. I don't, I don't want my kids, my grandkids, I don't want them to think that that's normal. It's normalizing incivility between human beings. And here's the thing. Kind of, I just stopped even this week and thought, no, actually, all that does is expose the very reason for which Jesus came. The Prince of Peace came because you can see how human measures are working. It's not working. The only lasting, the only everlasting peace we will ever know is when we know Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. And here's what I know. The Prince of Peace comes to give us peace with others. We know Jesus. We know peace. But it really is going to come down to always a personal decision that every human being makes in terms of this gift that's presented to them. I love, I love what David wrote in the Psalms. In Psalm 139, he said these words, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You know me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Now listen to how David responded to all of that because some of that's both exhilarating and some of that is terrifying, is it not? That God knows everything about us. He knows before we rise, stand. He knows before the words even come, roll off our tongue. But here's what David said. David said, he concluded by saying, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I mean, he was honest, brutally honest enough before God to say, God, I know you know me. So just expose everything. Help me just to acknowledge all of my sin, all of my transgressions before you, and then lead me on the everlasting way because you're the only one that can. And again this morning, I want to ask you, like, where are you and what's the condition of your heart? John wrote it this way in 1 John 5. He said, and this is the testimony Those who have the Son of God have life. Those who do do not have the Son of God do not have life. I write these things to those of you who believe, listen to this, who believe in the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. What I'm saying is, John clearly states that it is possible to know the end of this story. It is possible to know with certainty that you are taking the path 
to everlasting life. And it's simple as this. If we confess with our mouth, Paul writes in Romans, that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Anyone, he goes on to say, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And here's the thing. I wrap with this. Uh, I did a little prayer walk early this morning out in the plaza, out in the courtyard. I was thanking God for this church. I was thanking God for the leadership. I was thanking God, praying for pastors and their wives by name. I was thanking God for bringing me here to be part of this team. I was thanking God for the journey of the last 15 months of being part of this staff. I was thanking God for the joy of being part of a church that's on mission. I was thanking God for the salvation that has come. You see those little light bulbs, Jesus' life, light and love? Every one of those represents a real person with a real name that has come to know Jesus as his Savior or her Savior. Become a child of God. What a joy, what a joyous journey it is to be part of what God is doing right here at Clovis Hills right now. Not in the past, not in the future, right now in this moment. And I just want to say this Christmas, this could be your moment. And I want to conclude my mini message by praying for you. And uh, I'll take a survey. How many of you still have stuff to do to get ready for Christmas? Raise your hands. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> You're great pretenders. Here's the thing. There's probably a few things to do, but could we just pause? Could we just like hit the pause button for 30 seconds? And I'd like you to bow your heads, close your eyes if you're comfortable. Hi, this is Pastor Sean Beatty from Clovis Hills Community Church. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Hey, I encourage you to download the Clovis Hills app on your phone. With the app, you can do all kinds of things like prayer requests, live notes, giving. I also encourage you to check out our uh, Facebook Live page if, if you want to watch online. You can come to our services live. They're Saturday nights at 6 o'clock, Sundays at 9 a.m. and 1040. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.